Welcome, everyone. This is Michael Blue, and you've connected to the Fellowship of Kingdom Professionals, the podcast, where we are cultivating makers and shapers of culture. Prepare for a riveting time in the principles and practices of the King and of His Kingdom. You are about to be charged, challenged, and changed. I know you're ready. Let's go. Professionals in our day, and this, I've been, I was saying this prior to the pandemic, inter, uh, excuse me, uh, professionals in our day are largely or disproportionately, overwhelmingly discouraged. Teachers were discouraged before the pandemic. Many law enforcement officers were discouraged before the pandemic. Many governmental officials were discouraged before the pandemic. Many pastors, ministers were discouraged before the pandemic. Intra-pandemic, how much more do we have people who are deeply discouraged in their professional areas, discouraged for lots of different reasons? Discouraged because of the unprecedented nature of the times in which we find ourselves. Discouraged because of the low level levels of morale that students have. Uh, discouraged because of the seeming futility of their efforts to help and to bring about change. I was just talking with someone recently who was talking about uh, a, a counselor who has become so discouraged because it seems as if the people uh, whom they're counseling don't have hope. And, and what I mean by that is don't have that spark. You know, if people have a spark, you can fan it into flame. You can, you can build it up. But when it seems as if the spark is gone, that there's not a trace there are many discouraged professionals. Part of the reason for this session is to attempt to speak a word of encouragement to professionals, to speak a word of positive challenge to professionals. And many of you that are on here, you know that I'm telling the truth. Dr. Pinkney, you're an educator and an educator an educator uh, or educational administrator, tenured educator, but an educator who is now an administrator. She's been an administrator, but higher levels of administration, district level administration. And she has worked as a classroom teacher, as a building administrator, and now as a district administrator, she can attest, and many others of you can attest, that one of the great difficulties with people even going into professions, you know, there's there's the the uh, the dropping out of many professions and professionals since the pandemic. People who just engaged in they're calling it the great what is it the great resignation or what have you, but but they've just decided not to go come back. And, and part of that was the stimulus check, but the stimulus check didn't do it. The stimulus check 
brought into focus something that's going on in people's souls. It, it is really important that professionals would be encouraged. There's so much working against them. And I'll tell you what, and I'm ahead of myself now, but if, if professionals don't understand that the reason why they can have hope and the reason why they can have encouragement, the number one reason is because the work in which they are engaged is not their own, but the work in which they are engaged is actually the work of God and that they are therefore co-laborers with God as the chief laborer. And the Bible says in Romans 8, 31, if God be for us, who can be against us? If God be for us teachers, who can be against us teachers? If God be for us healthcare professionals, who can be against us healthcare professionals? If God be for us law enforcement officers, who can be against us law enforcement officers? If God be for us shepherds, who can be against us shepherds? You follow what I'm saying there? Whatever profession, whatever honorable work, whatever honorable occupation is your employ, please know that your work is the work of God. And so it does not matter how uh, insignificant, how low rate or low rated or underclassed your station in life and your function in life might be. And that's not that God doesn't want you to climb and excel and ex exceed where you are. That's not what I'm saying. But where you are right now, the work that you're doing is the work of God. All honorable work is the work of God. Why don't you uh, do that? Thank you, uh, Dr. Pinkney. Everybody put it in your, in your comments. All honorable work is the work of God. All, A-L-L, -L, all honorable work is the work of God. Every honorable vocation is a God vocation. Every honorable profession is a God profession. And so God is for you. God wants your students to learn. He wants your test scores to rise. He wants your patients to become more healthy. He wants your clients to be well served. He wants your customers to be well pleased. He wants your uh, team to excel. Whatever your area is, all honorable work is the work of God. I'm talking about the work that you do. Why did I say honorable work? Well, if you're a thief, if you're a, a, a murderer, uh, if you are an extortioner, obviously that's not of God. Obviously that's not of God. But all honorable work is the work of God. And I'll tell you, even those that are engaged in dishonorable work, the truth be told, they can't do that dishonorable work without stealing principles from God's honorable work. In other words, the individual who is the drug dealer, his ability to do business well, his ability to organize is actually a principle that comes from God. In the Bible, one of the earliest terms for work is the word avodah in the Hebrew. Brother Lee, you'll remember this. 
that avodah is a term in the earliest chapters of Genesis, work, that also, that term that's translated work can also be translated worship. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Avodah is the Hebrew term for work that is also translatable worship. When you work in a manner that pleases God, your work is a worship. It's not the only form of worship. We lift our hands, we bow down, we sing. We have not, we've not grappled with this and grasped this this way. We have not apprehended or comprehended the fact that the work of God is what people do when they put on their uniforms. That the work of God is not, uh, that the work of God is what that uh, taxi driver is doing when he is transporting people back and forth across the city. We haven't understood that, that that's the work of God. No, I'm telling you the word abodah in the Hebrew translated work, that same word can be translated worship because one of the ways we worship is by quality work. Now, how many of you would agree with me that masses of people, many of them, do not know that their work is God's work? How many of you are familiar with many people? How many of you would tend to say that perhaps the majority of the people who work all around us, maybe work with us, really don't understand that what it is that they do Monday through whatever day, maybe seven days, many of them work seven days. They don't understand that these long shifts and these long hours that they are occupied doing the work of God. We thought the work of God was when you put your usher badge on. We thought the work of God was when you get in the choir, put your choir robe on. Get in the pulpit, put your preacher robe on. That that was the work of God, but we really did not. You know, someone may have glossed over it, but I'm talking about deeply with conviction, training people, drilling people to understand that this that you are undertaking is sacred. 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 In other words, it is set apart unto God for his glory. Really? That, that was not highlighted in my experience. Coming forward, that was not highlighted. Because I believe, Sister Michael is it's very similar to what you're saying right there. I believe that if people understood that their work is the work of God, they would not be trampling all over and stumbling all over their purpose trying to find their purpose. They would not be trampling and stumbling all over their calling trying to discover their calling. There are people who are running. God bless you, Sister Vanessa. There are people who are running from their God-given calling, trying to find their calling. And 
I will go ahead and add this to it. Sadly, there have been those of us in the pulpit who have misdirected people from their calling to a, quote, calling that was really not God's call for their lives. Elder Johnson, thank you for that. I, I, I want to I, I elaborate upon that comment right there. She said she knew that we were representing God on the job, but we didn't know that the job was the work of God. That, that said so well. We knew that we're supposed to be kind and, and courteous and sweet. And we knew that because we knew we represented God where we went. So we had to be Christ-like. But we didn't know that the actual work was the work of God. We didn't know that the receptionist was doing the work of God as a receptionist, not between calls when she would give words of encouragement to people and tell them she's going to pray. No, no, not just that. When she's actually taking the calls, when she's actually organizing the day for the executives and so forth, we did not know that that is the work of God. What will it do to your mindset? What will it do to your, your sense of worth if you understood this is God's work that I'm doing here? This is, this matters to heaven. This matters to God. It might not look like much. I might not be, in, be being compensated everything that I'm worth. But just to know that this is actually the work of God. I'm actually laboring together with God. How fulfilling is that? Which leads me to um, uh, another point that we're going to be making. But I want to go ahead and insert our prayer because if we don't, we'll be at the end and uh, we still will not have prayed. So, so just know that the prayer that we lift up in these settings is designed not only to uh, be a little inspiration. No, 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 they are. But they're designed to be intercession. That's right. Councilwoman Smith, that's it. You're not just helping people in the community. You're doing the work of God. You're doing the work of God. You are helping people, but you're helping people by co-laboring with God. So, Father, we pray for these men and women <clears throat> who have joined us and even scores and hundreds and even thousands of others <clears throat> who have not joined us at this juncture, who may engage in the replay or in the podcast. We pray for them in Jesus' name. We thank you for them. Thank you for giving life, health, and strength. Thank you for giving vitality. Thank you for giving the basic necessities and beyond that we might be able to not only subsist not only exist, but live. Thank you for the opportunity to live on purpose, to move on purpose, to think intentionally, to strategize artfully, 
And I ask you in Jesus' name now that you would grant to each person under the sound of my voice, presently or in the future, that you would grant unto them and to us all of the necessary grace and thank you that you've already done it. Help us to lay hold upon the necessary grace that it takes to fulfill this work to which we have been called. It can become difficult. <clears throat> it can become stressful. It can become anxiety-laden. But the greatest joy in the work is knowing that when I do it heartily as unto the Lord, he is pleased because I'm laboring together with him. Father, whatever resources that these individuals stand in need of, whether it be financial resource, capital resource, whether it be <clears throat> real estate, whether it be human resources, whether it be skilled work or workers in certain areas, whether it be additional and advanced credentials or degrees, exposure, experience, endorsement, mentorship, discipline, correction, redirection, whatever it is, I ask that you grant it to them. I speak the blessing of God over every professional. This entire spectrum of gifting and calling, I speak the blessing of God upon every man, woman, every boy, girl, that they will advance and that they will, according to your word, let their light so shine before men that they may see their good works and glorify the heavenly father. We'll give you praise for it now in Jesus name. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. All right. So I want to say to you again, remember that when we pray in this context, we're not just praying in general, you know, bless Bob, bless Sam. We believe God for Bob and Sam, but we're praying specifically for you. And we are all, not just me, but we are all praying in intercession for you where your business is concerned, where your entrepreneurship is concerned, where your community development corporation is concerned, your nonprofit, your for-profit, whatever it is, we are coming into agreement with you as you are in agreement with God. All right. All right. This is good already, isn't it? In addition to this, in complement to what we've already stated, we welcome, we welcome, and those who track with me in some of the other sessions, you know that we do, we welcome the praise report. We welcome the praise report of the individual uh, who in business, in his or her profession, God has done something marvelous. God has done something outstanding. I particularly look for the testimony of the individual who has applied some kingdom of God principle and seen it work. If you've taken some kingdom of God principle and applied it, for example, we were talking last week about 
um, January 28th was, I'm sorry, January 24th was compliment day. We were talking about the power of words. Uh, we were talking about the power of a great leader. One of the great tools of a great leader is verbal communication, spoken and written. And so we were talking about the power of the compliment. We talked about the fact that um, your existence is a compliment to God, etc. So you take a principle like that and apply it to someone's life and you see uh, a benefit, come back and share that with us because that's just uh, motivational for everybody to continue to thrust in and press in. All right? So not only do we look for the prayer request, but we certainly um, look for the praise report of that professional, okay? Toward the middle of my employment, I realized I was there all the time, a helper of God, especially when I recall the many ideas he gave me, how those ideas were implemented and are still being used. Thank God for the understanding coming and it was on time. That's wonderful, uh, Minister Davis. And uh, we can attest that in her profession, uh, working with what is now SC Works, um, helping people with employment and employment readiness and uh, employment acquisition and all of that. She was instrumental in changing people's lives in so many different ways. And she said toward the middle of her tenure, she got the revelation that it was the work of God. That's it. That's it. That changes everything. That changes everything. All right. So let me uh, see if I can follow my agenda here. We've already mentioned compliment day, so I won't go back to that. Uh, today, January 31st, is Inspire Your Heart with Art Day. Inspire Your Heart with Art Day. So I'd like to salute all of the artists that are among us. I mentioned that I want to interview Sister Lana. Sister Lana is an artist in the sense of she does decor in a powerful way. If you've seen any of the events that she coordinates, the decor that uh, accentuates those events, you'll find that she is certainly an artist in that sense. Uh, Bishop Darrell McFadden is on with us. We're honored to have him. Some of you know that Bishop McFadden is a legendary gospel artist. I mean that earnestly. He's known all over the country. Uh, that's that's artistry. And uh, there, there are so many others of you who have various artistic abilities. When I use the term art in, in my attempt to teach, I use the term art with this definition, creative expression. Art is creative expression, creative communication, you understand, creative expression, rather than Linear communication. In other words, words framed into sentences, sentences framed into paragraphs. Sort of a sort of a prosaic approach. Uh, art is the creative way to communicate the same thought, communicate the same sentiment. It, it may involve dance. It it may involve song. It may involve drawing or sculpting. You understand? But it's uh, it, it may involve weaving or knitting or uh, uh, 
being serving as a tailor or seamstress. All of that. All of that. So you can see it. You can see it. Uh, the power of art. It may be theater. It may be theater. I talked about um, in theater this morning, I talked about the willing suspension of disbelief. Willing, willful, dispension, suspension. My goodness, let me say it better. The willing or the willful suspension of disbelief that happens when we go into uh, a movie theater or live theater. And uh, even though we know that these are actors and even though we know that they're pretending and even though we know the situation is not real, there's something that happens in our minds in which we willingly suspend our disbelief and all of a sudden these people on this platform are actually family members in a hospital room talking to the doctor. You understand? Art is so powerful. See, rather than me just saying there was a family that was in the hospital room with their loved one talking to the doctor, rather than just telling you that or writing that down, I get some people on the stage, dress them up, put a, a, a medical bed in there and let them act out the same thing that I'm telling you. It touches you on a different level because it actually puts you there, didn't it? Art has such a subliminal way of reaching into a person's soul and making impact. The, the greatest cultural impact that's being made in our day, the greatest cultural impact that's being made in our day is being made in large measure, maybe not entirely, but in large measure by artists. I've made this statement before. I've made this statement before that if you notice in times of political campaigning, in time where people are jockeying for public office, notice that the politicians are not sought out by the artists, but the artists are sought out by the politicians. In other words, the artists are not asking the politicians come and help promote me. The politicians are asking the artists come and promote me because the politician knows that in the truest sense that artist has a level of influence that the politician doesn't have. You see that? That's right, Sister Scarborough. Whether we're talking about um, artists on the basketball court or artists on the football field or artists in um, what used to be news media and still is to some extent, artists on uh, entertainment, television, artists in movies, and certainly artists in music. Man, these people are so influential. And so we must respect the power of the arts and the kingdom of God and the body of Christ. We have historically, we have historically led the way with the arts. We have historically led the way with the arts. As a matter of fact, in the in Western culture, uh, theater, theater, 
Well, how far back do we, we want to go? Well, let's just put it this way. From perhaps its earliest. All right, Brother Sutton. <laughs> You're going to take us in a totally different direction. But yes, absolutely, yes. It, it is one of the many things that helped. I mean, the man is so multifaceted. He's a genius several times over. But yes, he mastered creative expression. Um, but in the West and in the world as a whole, drama and theater and music in large measure came out of religion. Came out of religion. And in in, in since the era of the church, some of you remember in the Middle Ages, the so-called mystery plays, the miracle plays, the morality plays, they gave rise to what later became Shakespearean theater and uh, Elizabethan theater and all of that kind of thing and beyond to what we presently have. The church had its hand on the pulse of much of that early on. Music, same thing. Uh, what we have allowed to happen, though, in many instances, is that in our effort to be sanctified, I'm not talking about a certain denomination. I'm talking about a mentality and an aspiration, which is honorable. In our efforts to be sanctified, we came too far apart. Sanctified means set apart. We, we were set too far apart. And, and you remember, we, we, we teach it very often. The word of God says, come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord. We thought that it said, come out from among them and be separated. That's what we were taught. We were taught that God said, be S-E-P-A-R or S-E-P-E-R. A-T-E-D. There is no D in the text. And it was the D that doomed us. I'm using the Bible word now, not the profanity word. It's the D that damned us, that condemned us to the margins. Okay? Sister Brown, that's good. Learned years ago that art can take chaos and turn it into cosmos. All right now, taking disorder to order. That changed my vision on how I see something through my sight, my eyes, and how I transform it to the vision that's in my heart. You're going to start the interview early, Brown. You're going to start the interview early. But that's it. That's it. That's it, Walker. There is no D. There's no D. <laughs> All right. Let's um let's move on. So today is January 31st, Inspire Your Heart with Art Day. We acknowledge the power of art and we acknowledge all of you who are partakers in the power. You're artists. 
be very careful because all power is potentially dangerous. So make sure that you properly use and not improperly abuse this power that God has entrusted into your keeping and into your stewardship. All right. I don't even think I'm going to be able to get to the third thing on, on my agenda because time is uh, against us and you all are, you all are helping carry us through this session with your feedback, which is, which is what this is all about. I, I really want, I want this to be interactive. Um, I, I may not be able to read every single comment and all of that kind of thing, but as far as putting it up and giving direct commentary on it, please know this is exactly um, what it is that we want for you. We want you and us to take ownership of this moment and encourage and strengthen one another. You receive this thing, you ingest it, you digest it, you process it, you assimilate it, and then it does something through you that changes people's lives. Councilwoman Smith, never forget what you told me years ago. Parents should want and make sure that their children are doing better than they. Absolutely, absolutely. It, it is the aspiration of any leader. And parents, if we're anything, we're leaders. It is the aspiration of any leader that their followers exceed them. Exceed them. Do better than we've done. If you truly have the heart of a leader, you want your followers to exceed what you have done. You want their, your ceiling to become their floor. Okay? You want your ceiling, the highest area that you've been able to reach, you want your ceiling to become the lowest place that they ever have to stand. Your ceiling becomes their floor. All right. Our, our theme, you've, you've seen the, um, the, the cover banner being, becoming, doing. That's the evolution that God has ordained for every person. God causes you to evolve. We're not talking about Darwinian evolution, okay? We're not talking about um, your, your uncle is a monkey. Or, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the fact that there is transition that occurs in the process of your transformation. I mentioned in the first session the book of Genesis chapter 12, and I'll need to come back to it, but Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, the Bible says, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out from thy country, from thy kindred, and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. And he says, I will do seven things. Many of you remember that, right? Make of thee a great nation. Bless thee. Make thy name great. Thou shalt be a blessing. Bless them who bless you. Curse him who curses you. And in you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. 12 and 1. Genesis 12 and 1. But here's the powerful piece for our lesson. When he says, get thee out, Get thee out can also be translated uh, 
Come to yourself. Come to yourself. In the Hebrew, come to yourself. Get thee out. Come to yourself. And here it is. His name is Abram, exalted father. We learn that in chapter 17, God renames him. He names him Abraham. And Abram is known to us as Abraham. He's known to the world as Abraham. He has had worldwide influence and multi-millennial influence as Abraham. But God encountered him or he encountered God while he was still Abram. As Abram, he dwelt in Ur of Mesopotamia. Many believe that he was a worshiper of the moon. As a matter of fact, some believe that his father was an idol builder and that he grew up in a home where they built idols, false gods, statues, statuettes. And God called him out of Ur of Mesopotamia into Canaan. He said, come to yourself. It is in Canaan where he has this encounter where God says in the 15th chapter, oh my, oh my, let me back up. In the 14th chapter, he has an encounter with the pre-incarnate Christ, many believe, under the name and in the personage of Melchizedek. It is in the 15th chapter that he hears from God who says, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. He has so many encounters with God. He learns so much about God. God finally comes uh, in the 17th chapter and reveals himself as El Shaddai, God Almighty, 17 and 1. He says, I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. In the 18th chapter, God actually comes and has lunch with him at his tent, okay? And then we know that uh, finally we get to chapter uh, 22. After God has given him this long-awaited son, in chapter 22, he offers this son to God, and God seals the blessing that he began in chapter 12. Chapter 12, he tells him that if you obey me, in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. By the time we get to chapter 22, stay with God, chapter 12 to chapter 22, he says, in thee and in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. In chapter 12, he introduces the, the blessing to Abram. In chapter 22, he seals the blessing upon Abraham. In chapter 12, he tells him he's going to influence nations, uh, uh, families. In chapter 22, he says he's going to influence nations. And brothers, sisters, friends, relatives, cousins, them, my sister Vanessa, all of you that are on here, know this. All of this Abraham that we witness, friend of God, father of the faithful, all of this Abraham was in little Abram, the moon worshiper, back in Ur of Mesopotamia. And God told little Abram, come to yourself, big Abraham. 
I'm going to put you in an environment where I can introduce you to you. I'm going to put you in an environment where I can introduce the you that you are in the eyes of yourself and of your family and so forth. I can introduce that fellow to who you are in my eyes. Come to yourself. In other words, where Sister Bertha Blanchard, she reminds me of this quote. I've said it down through the years. There is another you, Abraham, inside you, Abram. There's another you inside you. See? Abraham is who God made you. Abram is how you start out. But as Abram obeys God, Abraham comes. Abraham manifests. You see it? There is another you inside you. And the enemy is opposed to your Abraham finding his way out of, he wants you to be stuck, Abram, all your life. Israel, he wants you to be stuck inside Jacob all your life. Peter, he wants you to be stuck inside Simon all your life. And certainly, Paul, he wants you to be locked down in Saul the persecutor all your life. But God says, I'm going to put you in an environment I'm going to put you in an environment where the you that I call is going to is going to break out of the you that you presently are. Isn't that powerful? I'm going to take you through a transition. I'm going to take you through a process. I'm going to take you through metamorphosis. See, metamorphosis doesn't begin in Romans chapter 12, where the Bible said, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed, metamorphosized by the renewing of That doesn't start in Romans 12. It starts all the way back in Genesis. Muffin Alls, there's another you inside you. Bethany Walker, there's another you inside you. Thank you, sir. Lord, have mercy. Every one of us, under the sound of my voice, there is another you another realm of reality that God has ordained what the world sees is not it yet there is an evolution there's a kingdom of God there is a word of God there is a Holy Ghost evolution that is actually seething while I speak, while I'm talking to you, it's not happening because I'm talking to you. Oh, no, God is talking to you. I'm describing what's happening to you right now. Pastor Searcy, good to see you, sir. Let, let me say it to you this way, because our time is almost, is almost, it's almost gone. In the book of Acts, I wasn't going to read this, but I think it's a great illustration. In the book of Acts, chapter 9, if my memory serves me correctly, let me see. Yes, it is. <laughs> it's Genesis chapter 9. Uh, Genesis. We're, we're all over Genesis, of course. 
in the book of Acts chapter 9. We're closing. The Bible says in Acts chapter 9, uh, in verse 32, the Bible says in verse 33 that Peter went to Lydda and found a certain man named Aeneas, which had kept his bed eight years. and was sick of the palsy. Verse 34, and Peter said unto him, I'm looking at this pronunciation. Uh, it looks like they're saying Aeneas. Okay, Aeneas, if you will. <laughs> Aeneas or Aeneas, whichever way you want to pronounce it. Peter said to him, Jesus Christ maketh thee whole. Arise and make thy bed. The Bible says, and he arose immediately, immediately. Now, let me tell you why I read that text to you. Uh, Aeneas or Aeneas means the word, the name Aeneas, it has to do with praise. And I told you, you are a compliment to God. And so Peter is ministering to a praise. Peter is ministering to a compliment. You know names in scripture speak of destiny and purpose, right? And so this man is named praise. But this man who is named praise is paralyzed. This man who is destined to be a compliment to God is stuck in a certain position. I wonder if there's anybody under the side of my voice who knows that you are destined to be a praise to God. But there are certain aspects of your life that have rendered you a paralyzed praise. I haven't complimented God the way that I should have complimented. I haven't made God look as good as I know he's supposed to look in my life. I am a praise, but I've been stuck in some areas. I've been limited. I've been confined. I've been constricted in some areas. The Bible says, and Peter said unto him, Enos, Jesus Christ maketh thee whole. Maketh means that he's doing it right now. I want to close this session by telling you, Brother Enos, Sister Enos, that if you've been stuck, stuck because of a lack of a financial breakthroughs, stuck because of relationship breakdowns, stuck because of a lack of some resource in order for you to fulfill your professional duty. I have a word from God for you. Listen to what Peter said. He didn't say, Enos, 
God is going to make you whole. He didn't say, Enius, I'm going to go pray and you're going to be all right. He said, Enius, Jesus Christ is making you whole. Now, here's what blesses me. And I feel like giving God the glory. Enius is still paralyzed. But Peter said to him, why are you still stuck? Jesus is doing something inside you. While you are still limited, while you're still on this cot, I need to advertise to you. I'm not making anything happen. I'm simply declaring in the, in the audible what God is saying in the inaudible. I'm just saying in the scene what God is doing in the unseen. He's making you whole. Would you tell somebody near you, he's making, not he's going to do it, he's doing it right now. With your stuck self, with your paralyzed self, with your limited self, with your broke self, with your heartbroken self, Jesus Christ is making you whole. My God, mm. hallelujah. I'm not talking about the thing that's, there's some good things that are on their way. Blessing, blessing coming through. No, no, I'm not talking about that one, though. I'm telling you he's doing it right now. I love that. He said, Enius, I know you're still on the bed. Enius, I know you feel immobilized, but I want to tell you something that's happening beyond your ability <clears throat> in the natural to even perceive it. He is making you whole right now. Wait a minute. He said, Jesus Christ is making you whole. And then look at, wait a minute. Y'all, excuse me. I, I, I've got to contain myself here. He said, Jesus Christ is making you whole. Arise. Arise. And make your bed. Wait a minute. Since Jesus is making you whole, I need for you to go ahead and get up. Jesus is working. Now I need you to go to work. Jesus is working. I need you to start making a plan. Jesus is working. I want you to begin to start making a strategy. Jesus is working. I want you to dismiss this, 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 this depression and this anxiety and this feeling sorry for yourself. Arise! Jesus Christ is making you whole. Get up! Well, I've tried to get up many times before. No, no, no. Don't tell me about how many times you've tried in the past. Get up because he's making you whole now. There's a word that is ushering you into transition. There's a word that's ushering you into transformation. There's a word that's ushering you to next dimension and next uh, manifestation. Jesus Christ is making you hope. Get up. Get up. Get up. Get up. And if your name is Enos, don't wait till you feel it. Go ahead and push. Come on, Bishop Lambert. I was in Fayetteville years ago sharing this lesson. Get up. Get up. You might be straining, but strain, strain, son, because somewhere between your shake and your strain, the power of God is going to become conscious to you. And the Bible said he arose immediately. But you don't arise immediately until you immediately decide to respond to the word of the Lord. He's making somebody whole <clears throat> right now. Jesus Christ is making you whole. That's it, my God. Lord, have mercy. Jesus is doing his part. Now you get up. I feel like praying again. My God, but I speak this over you. 
and you speak it over yourself, it's right here in the word. You are God's praise. In the book of Ephesians, he says it more than one time, that we should be to the praise of his glory, that we should be to the praise of his glory. Uh, first, first uh, Peter 2.9, I already quoted it. Chosen generation, royal priesthood, holy nation, peculiar people, look, that ye should show forth the praises of him that have called you out of darkness unto his marvelous light. Get up, Jessica McGill. Jesus Christ has made you whole. He's making you whole. Come on, Evangelist Lacey. Come on, Elder Johnson. Come on, Edna Gerald. Sister Darlena. You hear it? You receive that. A paralyzed praise. And you know where our children are paralyzed, Sister McElveen? They're paralyzed. How does paralysis occur? I'm closing. How does paralysis occur? Paralysis occurs when there's a break between the messages of the head and the response of the body. The communication between the head and the body is broken. That's right. And I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, there's damage. That's right, Dr. Pinckney. There's damage between what the head is saying and what the body is receiving. The head is saying, the head is saying, you are what the word of God says you are. You have what the word of God says you have. But the messaging, the communication, the ministry of the nerves has been disrupted. Our children are paralyzed praise. They're not getting the messaging. The messaging. The messaging, the communication. The soul. Thank you, Lord. All right, listen. We've got to go. You've got to go. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your time. We believe in God to minister to, to heads, minister to mindsets, minister to attitudes, and even more so, repair the damage between Christ the head and the rest of the body so that we will no longer be the paralyzed praise. Hallelujah. But we'll be the praise that can perform, the praise that can present, the praise that demonstrates power. Amen. My name or your name or whoever's name is Aeneas. You are a praise. I'm not talking about the stuck part, but for some of you, you know it's true. There are areas where you have been a stuck praise, a paralyzed praise, but God is bringing you on through. Jesus Christ is making you the whole you. See, that's it. Abram, come to yourself. He's got the A-B-R-A-M. He does not have the ha. Huh. 
And if you study that, that actually comes out of the name of God. He takes Abram and puts the hey, the Jewish letter, the Hebrew letter, hey. He puts the hey in Abram and makes it Abraham. One great preacher said God put his breath in Abram, his life in Abram. Amen. All right. Until we meet again, this is Michael Blue of the Fellowship of Kingdom Professionals, encouraging you to go forth today and lead. Make the name of Jesus Christ glorious. Make the career of Satan brief and miserable. Together, let us bring pleasure to Christ's heart, fame to his name. Until we meet again, may the peace of God go with you. Thank you for listening to the Fellowship of Kingdom Professionals, FKP, the podcast. If you'd like more engagement, click the link in the show notes join like-minded professionals in the FKP Facebook group. Follow us at Bishop M.A. Blue on all platforms. Also join the FKP Weekly Conversation Live every Monday at 11.30 a.m. Eastern on Facebook Live and on YouTube. Finally, be sure to rate and review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. May God bless you until we meet again.